0: Hello and welcome to What the Catcher with me, Nikki Webster. And me, Bettina Campolici-Bordi. This is our podcast for foodies everywhere and we're joined by a special guest each week to share food stories and talk all about our passion for the things we eat. And I must say a big thank you to Island's Chocolate who very kindly
1: sponsor the series. They're a small British business bringing you the finest and tastiest multi-purpose chocolate directly from the family-owned farms in St. Vincent in the Caribbean. So they can rightly shout about being sustainable Ethical and the only seed, not bean, to bar chocolate. Plus, they produce multi-purpose chocolate. It's brilliant for cooking and it's the choice of many Michelin-starred chefs and we use it in our recipes as well. We love it. It's such a good chocolate to eat and to cook with. And you, our lovely listeners, can get 15% off anything you order on the website, which is islandschocolate.com by using the code IslandsWTF. That's Islands, WTF, all uppercase, at the checkout. And you can follow them on Instagram at Islands Chocolate. So let's meet this week's guest. So we're very happy to welcome Wilf, the founder of Islands Chocolate, here with us today. And uh, you've got a really interesting story. I believe it all started when you and your family were sailing around St Vincent and the Grenadines, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, as a family. And you basically fell in love with the place, the people, the culture, the landscape. And your father, Harry really felt and appreciated the conditions in St. Vincent were perfectly suited for growing the best cocoa in the world. Is that correct?
2: That is correct, yes. It all sounds quite glamorous when you put it like that, <laughs> as a family sailing around. But yeah, essentially, my dad was a property developer um, and, and was for, for 25 years. And yeah, as a family, we went out to the Caribbean and, and sailed around and just fell in love with yeah, all the different islands. Bequy, you've got St. Vincent, Mystique, and absolutely loved the place. And yeah, he built a property there. And obviously whilst going out there, basically realized how kind of amazing St. Vincent was. And obviously there's there's an active volcano, which unfortunately at the moment is actually erupting. And but with the volcano being there, the soils obviously are just full of amazing nutrients and basically perfect for growing fruit. And cocoa was grown back in the kind of 1950s and so thought it would be a great place to to grow cocoa. And the market at at that time uh, was at all-time high, really, so it made business sense as well.
1: And how old were you then,
2: well, when your, your dad started that? That was 2012. So I think I was, yeah, I was about 18 there. So i just started university and yeah, I was trying to become a professional cricketer, which wow. <laughs> obviously hasn't worked out because here I am <laughs> talking about chocolate. Um So I was at university when that started and I was, you know, as a family and that's what's been so great about the whole thing is we're all involved in it. Um And then basically started with the company after I gave up cricket after uni back in 2015, I think.
1: So, did you always? I mean, obviously, you had your cricketing plans, but mm. what was the decision making process? Did you just think, okay, I'm going to join the family business, or what, what spurred that?
2: Yeah, it was, it was a big moment in my life because really, I was known as yeah, Will for Cricketer since I was kind of three years old. So, it was a big part of my kind of identity, as it were. As cliche as it sounds, I kind of fell out of love with the game because uh, I just you know, when you're playing a sport that you love, and then suddenly you start getting paid for it, it just kind of takes the fun out of it. And the, the competition just gets so fierce. Um, And so I guess that was the main reason I wanted to join the family business. And I had a few jobs before that, a few internships with kind of three other chocolate businesses, a cocoa business mm-hmm. and a sugar trading company. So I had kind of a brief experience in all the different aspects in the supply chain and you know it just seemed like a lot of fun I think you know it just seemed like a great kind of business to be a part of and working with my dad as well it was just ticking all the boxes obviously that has its pros and cons at times but of course (laughs) uh, yeah it just seemed like a no-brainer really
1: And was it always your intention to actually create a brand or how did that happen?
2: Yeah, I mean, when I first got taken on, I kind of pitched myself into dad and I said, look, you guys need a a cocoa salesman. Um, I've got the right skills for it. And he was kind of, he admitted he was kind of waiting for me to kind of make a proposal to him. And then whilst I was selling the cocoa to, to other chocolatiers around the UK and Europe, I realized that, you know, there was no chocolate company out there it was actually managing the whole process right from the seed all the way through to the chocolate which just seemed really odd to me you know it's like a a vineyard growing the grapes but then selling it to someone else to make the wine it just seemed, seemed strange and whilst it was amazing selling the cocoa and meeting some amazing people I just thought god there's, there's more to it here what about creating an amazing brand that has you know the traceability the sustainability angles and creates a kind of a household name and that's our kind of vision to, to, to be a household you know chocolate brand because uh, you know it's a lot of fun challenges along the way really.
0: Absolutely and your brand is really fun. I first stumbled across it a few months ago and the branding is fun you've got Spotify lists mm. and not only are you sustainable but from a visual perspective it's great branding First of all, thank you so much for being our sponsor. Oh God, no, it's a pleasure. <laughs> we love your chocolate and it's a great honor of having you here and talking about how you started because I bet there's a lot of companies out there that would want to know how to start a food brand and the ins and outs of it. And it's a lot of hard work, isn't it?
2: A lot of hard work. I guess that's one of the main reasons why I love what I do is is because of the challenge and the learning. You know, I'm learning every single day as I'm sure you guys are and in your businesses too and that's the fun of it really at no day is the same there's everything from managing people which is super tricky to meeting the client's kind of expectations which from client to client are very different as I'm sure you guys know but it makes it all worth it really I mean my girlfriend won't be happy hearing this but Sunday afternoons I'm just waiting for Monday mornings I just can't wait to to get back at it really um you mean you don't work on Sundays I I I try not to but obviously that's very good yeah I I try not to I I, it's quite a good day to kind of organize your week I'm not sure how you guys work but I think that's I can't really get get down into it because then I'll be you know working till 8pm
1: yeah you, you've been a little bit more strict with yourself recently haven't you Bettina I have
0: yes I've started taking weekends off which is something I've never really fully done before mm. um, and it's great especially sort of if you take two days out and if you go away it feels like you've been away for a week <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than two days and it can be really good to get ideas and be creative.
2: Yeah I've I've chatted to a few people about it and you know especially people who start their own businesses you get so engrossed by it and every waking minute you're thinking about it I think it's so important to kind of step out of the business um, as it were and to, to really think about where you want to go because so often especially in startups it's Job after job, call after call, and it just get you're not really thinking about where you want to go as a business and you God, you know, months go by so rapidly.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree we touched upon the seed to bean to bar uh, a little bit here in the beginning. Mm. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that in detail?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a process that not many people know about, mainly because, you know, chocolate's so accessible everywhere. Every place you go will have chocolate, petrol stations, boots, everywhere. And so people just think it's some sort of commodity that's just really easily accessible. And, I think the, the research that we've done and the time that we spent actually growing the cocoa ourselves, it's just a process that needs to be looked over meticulously, really. And to, to run you through it quickly, because um, I could spend hours on it and Meg in our marketing was like, oh, don't bang on about the process too much. <laughs> um, but essentially, you know, you plant a seed in the nursery. Um, after three months, you take a cutting from a good variety of, of cacao um You place it onto the tree and you make sure that good varietal, i.e. the one that you know has good flavor, carries on. We then plant out on a a specific plot of land and it takes about, you know, five to maybe seven years for the cocoa to actually be yielding um, a decent amount of of cocoa to make into Mm. chocolate, really. So I guess with the farmers that we work with, it's really, really important that we also give them other crops to to intercrop the cocoa with. So Mm. bananas, um, citrus fruits. So they've got that added source of income, really. Once the uh, the cocoa tree starts producing pods, we then harvest them, crack them open, and we then go into the, the kind of fermentation process, which is a really interesting process. And this is where a lot of the kind of chocolate flavor comes out and it's anaerobic, aerobic kind of um, reactions. And I, I'm no scientist, so I'm not going to go into it because I'll get caught out. And then it goes in, into the dryer and gets put into to bags and then it ships off to our partner in, in Belgium. But the, the interesting thing with cocoa is, you know, different varieties of cacao um, grown on different parts of land create completely different flavors. Mm. And so we have to work super closely with our farmers, with the processing team and also our chocolatier to make sure that the consistency is, is the same. Because it, it's much like a wine, as I mentioned earlier. And when you get to the chocolate making process, the roasting is super important. Um, we like to do a, a short roast um, with short kind of grinding time, so that the goodness in the cacao, all those he- healthy flavanols and and anti- the antioxidants, still remain in the chocolate. Because I'm not going to bow mouth any other chocolate company but some Mm -hmm. of the big companies because they don't know which varieties they are working with they've got a real mixture of flavor and to hit that consistency you've got to amalgamate it all together Mm. cover it with sugar vanilla Mm. e-numbers sometimes and you get a kind of flat chocolate flavor which yes is is tasty but there is just so much more to it than that just that chocolate flavor um, and hopefully you guys can taste that in our chocolate but there's amazing banana notes citrus notes you know sometimes a bit of grapefruit sometimes a bit of olive and it's fascinating because as you guys know taste is all subjective isn't it you know my taste compared to patinas for example might be completely different and that's what makes it so fun
1: and how consistent does it need to be given that there are all those variables is there a sort of parameter
2: it depends with the clients we work with really I guess from a retail perspective the palettes aren't as advanced as they are the top Michelin style restaurants that we work with and chocolate evolves and I didn't realize this before you know if we make an 85% Mm. we actually have to age it for about three months before we then sell it to our chefs because it evolves right so yeah, as so you appreciate, there's just there's a lot to, to learn really, and yeah, that's what that's why we love we love what we do. But consistency, I, I think I'll be able to pick up on it. Our chocolatier we'll be able to pick up on it, and the top chefs, but mm-hmm. most people would think it tastes quite similar.
1: Wow, that's so interesting.
2: Yeah, and I guess we've gone that extra mile with the varieties we're planting. This is something my dad is is obsessed with basically we've got 365 different varieties of cacao and they've all got different flavors and so what we want to be able to showcase to to everyone is how say one chocolate that's a 75 percent can create completely different flavor profiles using a different cocoa variety if that makes Mm. sense
0: yeah absolutely
2: that's what gets us up in the morning really that kind of goal (laughs) So who's got the best tasting palette in your family, I wonder? That is a good question. Um, <laughs> it really depends, really. I guess when I'm tasting with dad, and I, I taste with mum as well when we're at home and my girlfriend and then the siblings as well. The thing is about tasting, if one person tastes one thing and, and says, oh, I taste a bit of banana, everyone just agrees with everyone. <laughs> um, I guess it depends, really. I mean, I probably have to say myself because I've done most tasting. Um, but I've got a lot to learn, that's for sure. I'm, I mean, your guys' palette would be twice as good as mine.
0: It's a little bit like wine, isn't it? I think chocolate is, as you say, still quite underrated because there's so many tasting notes. Mm.
2: Um,
0: and I've been to a few chocolate tastings and it's almost like it's, there's a whole process to it when you taste chocolate, isn't there? Yeah. There's the smell, there's the... Um, the
2: texture, yeah.
0: Yeah, the texture and also, what? It, how do you say it, like the crack. Or when you sort of the snap of the chocolate the snap.
2: as well, so the temper, mm. yeah.
0: Yes, the snap, and then uh, you know, letting it <laughs> sit in your mouth and sort of melt.
2: You've nailed it. That's absolutely perfect. Uh, we need you on the team.
0: So <laughs>
2: <laughs> she's a pro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is like a wine tasting,
2: and it just takes practice. Absolutely, just practice, 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 and and I think well, a chocolatier is like you need to taste it in the morning when you first get up before you taste anything else you taste it at lunchtime and you also need to taste it in the evening and and you need to write down what what you taste because obviously if you've had a curry the night before Mm. you, you know you're gonna have that's gonna impact what the chocolate tastes like
0: absolutely so apart from the amazing farm seed bean bar process that you've got what else makes your chocolate so fantastic
2: I guess it's the main things that are the flavour, um, which I've talked about, and I guess it's the, the sustainability angle that no one is going as far as we are at source. And admittedly, that there's a lot we can do here in the UK to, to to better our practices. For example, our button bag is is recyclable in Europe, but not recyclable in in the UK. So we're constantly trying to get better when we're here in the UK, but In St. Vincent, we don't just pay lip service to some kind of dubious accreditation scheme. And and by that, I mean, we don't just hand money to them and say, look, go and do something good with it. We actually do it ourselves. Right. So to to give you an example, our nursery where we grow our cocoa is next to a, a school called Dixon and they needed a new library. And so our team went in there and we built them a new library. Mm. and we're doing that all around the island really so my dad is is the the main person to to get the credit for this because he started the the cocoa company and you know we employ 150 people at source we are directly involved with creating amazing source of income for for many families really and we're going that step further and not just the people but also the the environment and making sure that all farms are, have got a strict agroforestry model you know all having a a diverse array of plants so from citrus fruits to mahogany which you know in 40 years will be incredibly valuable Mm. and i guess it's educating farmers who are kind of stuck in their own ways really and how to to get the best out of their plants And um, I guess another thing, say, Nikki, if you had five acres in St. Vincent and you didn't know what to do with it and it was just a derelict kind of banana farm that's gone to ruin, Mm -hmm. you could come to us and say, I want to plant cocoa on there. And we basically, we give you free plants. So if it was five acres, it's 440 trees per acre. So we give you two and a half thousand cocoa trees to go and plant out for free. Wow. So we're going that bit further yeah, we're not perfect by by any stretch, but we're doing our best to make the whole kind of supply chain as sustainable um as possible.
0: That's amazing.
2: it's such a big word though, sustainability,
0: yes, it is, and it's
2: one that's got <laughs> got really confused. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that seaspiracy Netflix program. I mean it was shocking.
1: We were chatting about that,
2: really, yeah, um. And so it's a, it's a buzzword that everyone's using. And I guess we got, as I said, we've got two main things, flavor and sustainability. Um, we don't know which ones to really focus on and to shout about. And I think it's got to be flavor because sustainability really just should be a given. Yeah. It should be a given. I mean, anyone that's not sustainable, you've got to, you've got to sort yourselves out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we agree. It's a, it's a buzzword that's been used very loosely and, I think that the biggest misconception is that people don't really understand what that means. It sounds good. Mm. Yeah. So mm.
1: if,
0: if a brand is anywhere near it, it makes it sound good. But, but I don't think everybody knows the true meaning of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just too easy to say we're sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we've got this big kind of sentence in our office, which is like, we we do what we say, and we say what we do. Mm. So we just have to be as honest as possible. And go the extra mile and yes it will take a lot more time and it'll probably be more well it will be more expensive but you've got to do it for the greater good of all the people and and the planet
1: it's a shame isn't it when you know the issue with sustainability when everyone or is at least trying to make those sort of claims but sadly you know, what does it actually mean? Mm. So I think maybe it's just more important to be transparent, isn't it? And sort of say, these are things we, do, we are doing quite well with, but, you know, there is more to do, but, you know, we're trying our hardest.
2: Definitely. And, yeah, you know, we'll put our hands up with our packaging for our buttons. As, as I mentioned, it's not where we want it to be. So we're doing our best to, to, to make it as, as sustainable as possible. Yeah, but yeah, we're definitely not perfect. And I doubt we ever will be. There's always something that pops up.
0: I think that's a great attitude to have, though, because everything can always be improved. There's no end to it in terms of improving and doing things better and learning along the way. Mm -hmm. So everyone will want to know where we can find your chocolate.
2: Good question. Um, (laughs) So we supply lots of restaurants around London, especially Um, restaurants such as Gordon Ramsay, um, Claude Bossie, Chilton Firehouse, for example. And then we are supplying our chocolate to lots of independent cafes and bakeries. Uh, One main chain we're supplying is Gale's, um, which we launched in January, which has just transformed our business overnight, really. And they are just fantastic to work with and got a great relationship with them. So that's been a lot of fun um, and a lot of stress with with Brexit. God, it came at a wrong time for us with the launch in January. It was a complete nightmare. (laughs) And then we sell our, our retail chocolate buttons and bars and the likes of selfridges and partridges and and other kind of independents like panzers and de Beauvoir and places like that but yeah the retail side of things we're going to give a big push in the next next few months
1: yeah what's your ultimate aim what's your long-term plan
2: good question again I always get (laughs) asked this I think it's to create amazing chocolate buttons Um, I think it's something that is relatively kind of unexplored really and i think our the flavor and our buttons is is unrivaled so i I basically i want the chocolate to be available to everyone and to to be accessible i think the the benefit that we've got with owning our own farms is that we can make the the craft chocolate accessible to everyone because you know you've got the lint and the green and blacks and you've got the quite expensive craft chocolate at the other end we want to be in the kind of middle ground for that and to Mm -hmm really i guess bring the craft chocolate conversation to to the masses i suppose and you know just creating the best products we can with the best flavor because that is really really rewarding when you when you see someone's face when you go through a tasting with them and you see how amazed they are i mean that just it just gives me a lot of pride and makes me really happy <laughs>
1: I think we can all relate to that, can't we? I don't don't
2: think I really answered the question there.
1: You did, you did. (laughs) It was a good answer. So, Wilf, we must ask you, um, because this is what we ask everyone, what would you say is the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you?
2: I've got a few. In business, it would be everything takes twice as long and is twice as expensive as it would seem at the start. Stick to what you know. Uh, don't get sidetracked. And I guess the main one, which is, I think the overriding one, which is is dream big. You'll never get to where you want to go if you don't know where you're going.
1: All very good. <laughs> I think the last one for me, mm. I think that's, yeah, i really, that really resonates with me. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah forget the other two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: but I think it's also being realistic enough to know that yes you may have those huge goals and but you've also got to be realistic enough to know that you might not get them and that's fine you've just got to give it your best shot
1: absolutely yeah, be prepared to fail. That's, you know, that's why a lot of people don't start, isn't it? They're, they're scared of what could potentially happen or fail. Exactly.
2: You learn mostly in your fails. Yeah, God, we failed a lot at the start. and But that's just part and parcel and then you learn.
0: Exactly. And
2: then you don't do it again. <laughs>
0: Ideally. Ideally. Most
2: often. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much.
2: It's great to chat to you guys.
0: Thank you very much for listening to What the Focaccia. I hope you've enjoyed our food conversations and please do have a listen to the rest of the episodes to hear more brilliant stories about everything and anything to do with food.
1: And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, Islands Chocolate, who grow their own cocoa directly from seed on their farm in the Caribbean. And if you like hot chocolate, you'll find their proper hot chocolate in any Gales Bakery, where you can actually choose between 65 and 75% cocoa and have a Gales Barista make a creamy, high flavor hot chocolate for you.
0: Don't forget that you can get 15% off anything you order from their website, which is islandschocolate.com. Just use the code islandswtf, that's islandswtf, at the
1: checkout. And please do give us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed the podcast. It really does help spread the word. And if you want to follow Bettina and myself, you'll find us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.